Welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. Today, I have a special guest who's returning, Shawnita Hill. She recently was recently interviewed, and she's back. Now, this is a personal request from her, so you know that I am excited. So without <laughs> any further ado, I'm going to pass the microphone over to Shanita and give her the opportunity to greet you all, and then we will move right into the discussion. So Shanita, you have the floor. Good evening, everyone. My name is Shanita Hill. As Frank has told you, um, I am a Chicagoan. I was born and raised in Chicago, moved to Texas about 88, but I'm still consider a Chicagoan, but you know, in the Southerner, but that's a little bit about myself. And I'm just glad that I'm able to come back again to just to talk. Well, I'm glad to have you back and thank you for calling me on this and saying, Frank, let's have this discussion. So this is the deal. I believe that you want to talk about the village. Yes. So let's talk about the village. What does the village mean to you? Why was this so important? The village meant to me was a community of people from different ethnic groups, um, from a different background that all come together in a small community to make one. I believe the village is a family. Um, without without a village, you know, there's no hope. There's no legacy. So that's what a village means to me. A village is a mixture like of a store, a church, the community of people just coming together, whether they're professional or whether they're just a white collar, blue collar, just a group of people coming together to help one another out, which is considered a family. Now, coming up, I've always heard the term, it takes a village to raise a child. And, yes. you know, what did that mean to you? It meant that one person couldn't do it alone. You know, growing up in Chicago, um, but growing up, I can, can't speak for anybody else, but growing up in Chicago, you know, we sell so much and what they consider the ghetto or whatever they want to call it. And, you know, being in that community, you know, you had some children that didn't have a mother or didn't have a father or were being raised by their grandmother or were being raised by their grandfather, just being raised by someone that was just a good friend to the family. And so, you know, that right there meant a lot. And I think about the block club parties we used to have when we used to cut, you know, close down the streets and everybody come together and come outside and celebrate together as one big happy family. So, you know, those are the things that I think about and just think about the different things and the different people that come together to make the family a whole. A family don't mean that you're biologically related. It can mean that you're socially related. Right. Or it means that they just adopted you into that into that community, into their lives. I hope I answered that question. I, I think you did because, you know, when I think about it, now when I think about it, you know, I associate it with slavery. I always try to apply history to whatever I think about at this point. Yes. And I think about, you know, a father could have been sold at any time. A mother could have been sold. A sibling could have been sold at any time. Yes. So the village would adopt that family to console yeah. them, to make them feel better, yeah. and, 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 and continue some type of family structure. 
Yes. And maybe during slavery, they could they didn't have the the privilege of maintaining a family. Right. When I grew up and, and saw the village, I didn't fully understand it takes a village to raise a child more than just a slogan itself. Yes. You know. But after doing genealogy, I have a different perspective. But I don't want to cut into your thought pattern, you know, <laughs> with with, my, with all of my, my thinking. So, but you spoke of block parties. You spoke of those things. Yes. Did you feel safe in the village? Oh, yes. I felt safe. I felt proud. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, when we did move from out, when we did move to another location, like we, I, like I lived on the south side of Chicago and I lived there all my life. And then at the age of 15, my mom decided, and I understand she had to do what she had to do. You know, she worked on the north side and so she wasn't really able to be home. So I was almost considered like a latchkey kid, plus a parent trying to take in my younger brother. So I've been there all my life in the community looked out for us. So when we had to move, I mean, that was just so devastating. And I felt as though I was losing and leaving the protection, the security, the fun, the excitement, the love to go somewhere else I knew nothing about. And you can, you know, put that off just like slavery, you know, when you have to leave and move from place to place to place, you lose that security and that oneness of who you are. And so you're trying to find yourself all over again. So what has happened to the to the village? I just think that we have allowed, we are, as Blacks, we have allowed society to dictate to us and tell us what family mean and what a community mean and it's like i gotta get ahead so it's my four and no more i'm leaving behind everything that i've done and everything that made me who i am and i'm gonna go about my business i gotta make it it's about the money so much has become about the money come about material things instead of come about what's important and because of that we have the crime that we have not saying that we've never had crime before but that i can't speak for any other race but there's more black on black crime because people don't understand who they are and where they come from and if you don't understand who you are and where you come from how are you going to know how to treat the next person and see that community is what made us who we are it made us it allowed us to work together it allowed us to understand one another and respect and revert and re, you know respect one another did we respect each other as family, uh, as relatives, as friends? Was that relationship much different than it is now? And I know everything is not absolute, but we're talking about, you know, as we see and assess our village today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, brothers and siblings, you know, siblings, brothers and sisters and brothers and brothers, you know, in the house, not everyone gets alone together. I mean, you're going to have that rivalry where you're going to, you know, siblings are going to fight. They're not going to always get alone. But at the end of the day, you knew that you were family and you knew that you were together and you know, whatever element or whatever problem that you had, you put that to the side and forgot about it and went on with your life. In today's society, we don't do that anymore. I'm mad with you. I'm gonna stay mad with you. You said something to me, you did something to me, and that's it. I'm not talking to you no- anymore. And that's not the way that it used that's not the way that it used to be. That is not how we as Afro Americans were brought up. That's just not how we were treated. I talked. 
but I also remember when you would walk out the door. Now, I am from the South. Okay. And I always had this picture of being from the South. And matter of fact, when I left here for over 27 years, I always bragged about being from the South because people will always say, man, you speak all day. You, if you see me four times, you're saying hello four times. And I used to say, hey, that's just that Southern thing, you know. And, and so in, in the South, if you saw someone walk out the door or if someone was outside, you always spoke. Yes. And the black community was built on that. Yes. That we spoke, we were there to help each other, we, we greeted each other throughout the day. But I, I, I kind of see it today that neighbors do not speak to each other. They avoid each yeah. other. I even see yeah. it in my own neighborhood. They avoid each other. They try not to speak. And I'm trying to figure out what would make a person be that type person to not speak. So did you see any of that that change in your neighborhood based on the value? Um, um, coming up... Yes, coming up, we did speak to one another. Um, if, if you did something wrong outside and your neighbors saw it, you went to your neighbor, you got in trouble with that neighbor, you got in touch with the, all the neighbors that were around that saw that. And then when you got home, you got in trouble with your mother or your father. But then also, you know, coming out, we did always speak to everybody. That was something that you did. Hello, Miss Flowers, or hello, Miss Thomas, or hello, Miss Thompson, how are you doing? That was something that we always did. And if you didn't speak, you got in trouble for that. And, you know, I see that we have lost that. But, you know, I still hold that in my heart. And even though I don't live in Chicago anymore, I live in the South. Mm-hmm. When I go out into the community, I make myself speak to people. Right. I, you know, hello, how are you doing? Even when folks don't want to speak to me, I don't bulldoze them or bully them, but I keep speaking to them till they speak to me. Like, you know what? If I don't talk, this woman is not going to shut up. So I make, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's just like they're going to speak to me or not. But that's something that I still hold true. And I've taught my children to do that as well. Now, there are a lot of people that don't do that, but in my community where I live now, I introduced myself as somebody new moves into the apartment complex. Oh, I'm Miss Such and Such. I'm Miss G. Right. I'm the I'm the commu- I'm the neighborhood mother, or right. I'm the um, apartments mother, and so they know. Okay, this is the woman that likes to be a, the mother to everybody. So I've kind of taken on that because it doesn't leave me. It's been a part of me. It's been grounded in me. It's been taught, and so that's something that I still hold true to. Now a lot of people don't. And that makes you feel good. It makes me feel so great. And so many people are like, you know what? Thank you for speaking to me. I just was going through so much and just you speaking to me. And a lot of times we so focus on what we go through and our problems that we forget to realize that our next door neighbor or our brother and sister has problems just like we do. So why be selfish and hold on to your own problems? Let go. Speak to other people, help somebody else. You're actually helping yourself. And that's a part of being a community. You helped your neighbor. And by you helping your neighbor, you were helping your, build yourself. So are you involved in genealogy? Yes, I am. Have you taken your the, DNA test? I've taken my DNA test with Ancestry.com and my heritage. And before I even knew about all of those things, I was doing my my genealogy before I even knew that there was a such thing. 
And so I'm still into it now. I'm still doing it. I don't get as much help from my family members as I would like to, but I'm still doing what I have to do. And sometimes I get discouraged and want to quit, but people like you and people like, um, oh, he going to get me for forgetting his name. <laughs> not, not Charles, right? <laughs> Charles, buddy, buddy. <laughs> Forgive me, buddy. People like Buddy encourages me and it motivates me and it inspires me to continue to do what I do because I did not quit. I was able to get in touch with Buddy and I was able to talk to Buddy and other family members. So it's encouraging to me, even though sometimes it's discouraging because I love my family and I love my history and I love who I am and I want to learn more so I can be able to teach and tell my other family members more. Have you learned anything? Do you have a different view of what the past village was after researching and understanding more about your family's history? Does it change the way you see the village? No, just by looking at everything and what I see now, no. And thinking about the village, I thought about my father. <laughs> Because if you don't mind, my father just had his 91st birthday yesterday. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And when he had his birthday and I wrote something on Facebook about a year or two ago about him. And in there I put about the village, him being the village. And so as I started reading and listening to it, I'm like, hmm. I think I'm going to share this with Frank. I think I'm going to talk to Frank. I think I'm going to call Frank and ask him, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Because when I think of village, I think of my father. Okay. In what way? My father had a caring heart. He shared his heart with other people, no matter how young or old they were. Mm -hmm. My father helped anyone, everyone in need. But as he helped them, he also taught them as well. Mm -hmm. And when I think of the song, so I know you remember Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. You know, and when I think of that, I think of my dad. Give a man a fish, he'll mm -hmm. eat for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, he'll eat forever. Yeah. And as I was sitting there was thinking about that, I said, you know what? I'm still eating off of what my father taught me. You thing. know, and like we said, it takes a village and a com it takes a community to a people which I took raise um, a child. And my father was in that village, but he was not only in that village, he was that village. Right. And looking at men, you don't look at men as being nurturers. Hmm. You looked at them being the, the, the one that pays out the money, that pays the bill, that protector. But when I think about my daddy and his nurturing ways, I think about he was a nurturer. And I think about everything that he had done for other people. My daddy was a um, city bus driver. He drove uh, drove the bus um, the bus for Chicago Transit Authority mm -hmm. and for 30 plus years. So I remember growing up and all of the kids, everybody wanted to go to work with my daddy. You know, everybody wanted to get on the bus and go to work with him. And I remember my daddy would drive down the street in his Thunderbird. Hmm. And I remember everybody, I mean, even grown men yelling, Howie, Howie, <laughs> go Howie, they go Howie. So, I mean, there was a block full of people running down the street just to get to my daddy. Where's the basketball? And, you know, he liked to play basketball. He was good with the basketball and tennis. So everybody would be running down the street trying to get to my daddy, trying to get in the car with him. Right. Everybody wanted to go to work with him. And being in Chicago, that we had the Navy Pier. And at that time in the 70s, the Navy Pier was more like a recreation center. And so on the weekends and in the summertime, we were all get in the car, like it'd be like eight kids in the front seat and by eight or nine, 10, 12 kids in the back seat. And so everybody would 
piling that car and there'd be people from my cousin's block and it because when people from my block and everybody was fighting because everybody wanted to get in the car and go with my dad so we would go to navy pier he would teach people how to play basketball and tennis and then we would go to rainbow beach and we would go to hamilton park and tulip park and he was training and teaching people how to play tennis how to play basketball but he was not only teaching them that but he was teaching them things that they needed to know like a man how to tie your tie mm-hmm. um with your homework if you had homework and you didn't know what you were doing he would get there and he would sit there and he would help you learn how to do your homework and he would just sit in the car and he would just drive around and just drive around and take us different places and even when i was grown like my godfather this is a grown man he see my daddy come and there he go hey howard howard can i go with you so i mean grown men you know would go with him and go play right. basketball and they would shoot basketball and even my godmother her son would get in the car my brother my, my, my baby brother Uh, we had different fathers even he would get in the car so it's like his brother and his stepbrothers and people everybody wanted to come along with my daddy so he didn't look at you're not my child but he looked at everybody and he treated everybody as his child so he taught them how to do different things he taught the man how to be a man Mm -hmm. and so he taught the women how how not to do and how how you're supposed to conduct and how you're supposed to carry yourself and so he taught everybody so many different things and my daddy did that up until his i would say 80s i say about five years ago is when he kind of slowed down because of his health and after he retired from the bus service he drew this he drove the school bus right and so he it was one basketball player i can't even think of his name who the basketball player was that lived in chicago but when he was younger he went he drove the uh went to school on the north side and my daddy used to drive you know drive him with his bus driving so he was still even with the bus he was still teaching kids on the bus how to how to conduct themselves how to be a man and teaching those kids how to try different things that one little boy he met he became his godfather and his mother his grandmother and mother had passed away and my father took on that form of being his godfather and whenever that child was in need of something my father was right there to meet that child's need and so you know that was a village and that's what it took to raise these children he wasn't looking at oh this is my kid i'm just going to raise my kid on my own but he helped everybody else and that's what a village is a village is of different people coming together to help our children you have just you have just created a vision and described the village that i mean it, it, it says so much about what was going on in the village based on your description and that's what I remember I remember people stepping up mother stepping up Mm -hmm. father stepping up but I can't tell you you know now that I've done my DNA test and I've been going through trying to reconnect with family members and working on the genealogy now I kind of find myself laughing sometimes and saying oh gun village you were full of a bunch of liars too, <laughs> you know, because you all didn't tell me that you that you had another family on the side. You didn't tell me that this person was not my brother, but my cousin, you know. And, and so it's forcing people to finally reach this point where they're saying, now I have to learn the truth. Yes, So yes. now the truth is coming out of the village. 
Yes, yes. And you know, I believe all this killing with, that's just my, my opinion. I don't want anybody saying, oh, you were wrong. My opinion. You know, we lost that security in the village. You feel protected. Mm-hmm. And when I think of secure, it's a fixed and it's fastened. And it's not to give away or become loose or lost, dependable to protect. We have lost that security. Since we have lost that security, we can't depend on anybody and we feel underprotected. And I believe so much shooting and killing going on, especially in Chicago and in the major cities. Those are some of the reasons some of the things are going on, because these folks don't feel secure. It's either kill or be killed. And I think about the word love, appreciation, friendship, respect, care. We stop loving one another. We stop appreciating one another in our community. And so we did that. Everything has been cut off. We don't value any other. Value means to consider to be important, beneficiary, and cherish. And when I think about being important, of great significance, of value, likely as to have a profound effect, you know, and I think about nature, we show by the way we behave and the way they behave, teamwork, and others makes the dream work. And because we have lost these six things, that is the reason we're in the shape that we're in. Now, what what about leadership? If leadership, leadership if leadership doesn't understand what the village is all about, you can't expect leadership to reconstruct it. Correct. Leadership is very important and leadership, leadership, you have to have these six things and more. Mm-hmm. And without this, without this, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. And that's what my father and so many other people showed me, especially coming up in the South Mississippi and different places. As I read the ancestors, as I read the DNA and the ancestors.com and I listen to the story, I see how the communities came together as one. And my mother talked about what they did at, in their communities. And I listened to the different stories that my mother and other family members, older people would tell me. And I'm like, wow. I said, I'm going to start writing this stuff down. And so stuff that they tell me, I started writing it down. I'm like, wow. Wow, we lost that. Wow, we don't have that anymore. Even with the older generation, our parents. And I tell my mom all the time, no disrespect. I said, you guys have failed us because you guys were taught what it was meant to be a a community, what it was meant to be a village. But somewhere along the line, you lost the way you let society and you let the cares of this world get in front of you and you lost what was important when you lost what was important then you lost a part of who you are and who we are and who we were now Shanita you have jumped off into another area (laughs) (laughs) you have jumped off into another area so I know that right now you and I are going to do a part two because I can't let you go to now I can't let you go right now because you have jumped off into another topic to to kind of place blame on your mother's generation. So I, I'm going to have to get more out of you about that conversation, okay? Okay. So I am going to pause this now, and we're going to come right back into another session of this particular topic. What about that? Okay. All right, let's do that. So, guess we are about to stop right now for part one. We will come back immediately with a part two. And I have a question for Shanita. And we are going to pick up another session. So, are we ready, Shanita? 
Yes. Okay, so I'm going to shut this down and we'll start back. Okay. Okay, hold on. <laughs> 